All right. Well, we are now in the second week in our series called The Move of God. Somebody say The Move of God. And the idea in this series that we're getting at is that there are all kinds of needs out there. There are needs in our personal lives. The world is kind of crazy, lots of needs there. There are needs in our churches, and only God is big enough to address many of these. A lot of these things, like they're just beyond our scope to be able to snap our fingers and do anything about. So we're not messing around. Like we're not just playing here. This is real life, and we need to see God move. Would you agree? And so the question we're asking is, are there things we can do to position ourselves to maybe see God move? And if you remember last week, we said we can't force God to move. You and I can't force God to do anything. Don't even try that one. And we also don't want to block or prevent God from moving. So how do we find that sweet spot kind of in the middle there? And, and are there things that we can be doing to position ourselves to maybe see God move? That's where we're at. And today, we're going to be talking about the first principle pursuant to that question. Are there things we can do? And the first principle is this. Draw near to God. Somebody say, draw near to God. And I'll tell you straight up, this is a very, very simple principle. It's very, very simple. Uh, it's, it's something, though, that if we put into practice in our lives, the effect and the results can be pretty profound. So I don't want us to just skip over it because it think, oh, well, this is, you know, this is obvious or whatever. God has a word in this for us today. And you guys are smart people. You should be nodding your heads. We are smart people. You guys are smart people, so you know, obviously, the concept of drawing near to something. You're not that close, and you move closer. You are not that close to the campfire, and you're getting cold, or more aptly for this time of year, the black flies are destroying you, right? Because that's the season. So you, you're not that close, so you go near to the fire, so you can get warm, and then the flies won't be so bad. You know the concept, you're, you're not that close to get a good picture of something, so you move in closer and, you know, butt in front of someone else or whatever to get a closer look. That's the concept of moving closer. We, we, we move in to get a more intimate look, a, a more intimate experience of something, and we're to draw near to God. Now, if you could move to the next slide, we've got a couple of scriptures on here, and here's what I want us to do, participatory time. We're going to read the first one together, and then we're going to read the second one together. So let's read, including the reference. Here we go, all together now. James 4, 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Let's say that all again. James 4, 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Okay, great. Now the next one. Let's read that together. Hebrews 11, 6. God rewards those who seek him. Let's say it again. Hebrews 11:6. God rewards those who seek him. Congratulations, you just did a couple scripture verses. See, it's, it's doable. You did great. These two verses are two of many in scripture that sort of get at this theme, but you can see the language in here. Even in just these two verses, there's some act that it's talking about that's trying to get us to do something like it's trying to get us to take on some sort of deliberate action in our lives some deliberate act of drawing near this word seek in the second verse in hebrews there 
That word seek is in the Bible 237 times. Somebody say, that's a lot of times. It is a lot of times. And it's used in different ways and in different contexts and in different sort of, uh, um, I've lost the word, but it's used in different ways in scripture. But in all of the ways that it's used, it's talking about the pursuit of something. You're looking for something. You're setting your mind to something. You're purposing to go for it and inquire about it and research it and, and really go after it. That's what seek is. And here's why I'm telling you all this. Our instinct as humans is oftentimes to do the opposite of that. We're told to seek the Lord. We're told to draw near to God. But our instinct a lot of times is to keep God at arm's length. Even if you're somebody that's fairly close to the Lord, you will know that it's true. We all still do that in some area of our lives. God, I don't know. I'll let you into this part, but not into this part. We all do this. And that isn't going to cut it. And, and I knew, like, oh, when I say that, it sounds much more threatening than it's supposed to. That's not going to cut it. But again, listen, I don't mean it as a threat. I just mean, like, for us to just keep God off to the side and not really regard him, not pursue him, not seek him. Like, listen, again, this is real life. Like, there are big needs in our personal lives. There are big needs in the world around us. Again, there are big needs in our churches. And so it's not going to do us any good at all to just play loose with the Lord and he's way over here and I'll regard him once in a while or whatever. We got to seek the Lord. We got to draw near to the Lord. That's what the word is telling us to do. And, and, and what this means is that this is calling us to a deeper place. It's calling us to a deeper place space. It's calling us beyond Sunday morning, if you remember that expression. Things like this are calling us to beyond just going through the religious motions. Again, if you've been a Christian for a while, sometimes it's easy to fall into that trap. You're kind of just doing things without thinking too much or without a whole lot of heart in it. No, this is calling us to really go after the Lord, go into deeper water. This is not, this is not saying you just keep on doing the very same thing you're doing over and over again. And again, that's the rut we sort of fall into sometimes. And it actually respectfully sort of borders quite closely on what they say the definition of insanity is, which is to do the same thing over and over and expect different results. These verses right here are calling us to a deliberate action. It's to go beyond the routine. It's to go beyond the normal and really pursue the Lord. And I just got to tell you, like, this is not the path of least resistance. Like, our instinct will not lead us into this. Our instinct will lead us in the opposite direction. This takes guts. This takes work. This takes discipline. It takes a lot of grace, too. But this is the frontier that we're facing. This is real life, and we need the Lord. We need the presence of the Lord, and we need to see God move. And again, it will not do us any good to just stay distant from the Lord. What we are to do is to prioritize the pursuit. Prioritize the pursuit. That is the heart behind these verses. Prioritize the pursuit of God. How's the pursuit of God in your life? How's the pursuit of God in my life? That's the question. And when we do 
this. When we pursue the Lord and press in to know the Lord, that's when things can start to happen. That's when we get outside that routine and all of a sudden we're positioning ourselves to maybe see God do something a little different in our lives. And so what I want to do is I want to talk now about how we can draw near to God. And in fact, I want to blast through nine ways that we draw near to God. And so I want you to turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, 19. You can go there now. And on a sidebar, as you're finding that, coincidentally, it really was coincidentally, as was said, like we've been reading through the book of Hebrews and we just finished yesterday. And so I want you to be honest. How many of you read Hebrews 10 this week? That's good. Somebody's like, shouldn't lie in church, I guess. <laughs> no, but that's good. Those of you who read it, great job. So this will be a little bit of a, a recent memory for you because we've just read this a few days ago. So I want to read this section because we're going to find four of our nine ways to draw near to God right in here. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Like I said, we got four of our nine ways in that text. The first way we draw near to God is through Jesus. Somebody say through Jesus. You want to draw near to God? First and foremost, you need Jesus. This is the foundational, fundamental truth of this one. Jesus said of himself in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father, no one, a.k.a. draws near to God, but through me, except through me. On our own, in our own strength and in our own stock, in our own selves, we are sinners. We have separated ourselves from God and we have made ourselves unclean and we have distanced ourselves from God by our sin. And we don't just like work hard, try hard, earn our way you know, back across there. We can't do anything. But Jesus Christ has done a work to bridge that gap for us, to, to close that distance for us. So when you see the stuff that's underlined here, this language of the blood of Jesus and the, the, his flesh and the great priest over the house of God, that's language that's talking about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have freedom from sin, so that we could draw near to God and live the life that God created us to live. How many of you remember from our first John series, God has a life for you? Yes. Well, Jesus died to make that possible so that we could draw near to God. And it even says right in here, uh, we can enter where I've lost. Oh yeah, second line. We have confidence to enter the holy places. That's code for God's presence. That's code for draw near to God. Through Jesus Christ, we have the confidence to draw near to God. 
And so if you're hearing this, most of you in the room know Jesus. You've accepted Jesus. You've been saved by Jesus. That's wonderful. That's awesome. That is the necessary thing in order to be able to draw near to God. And if you haven't done that before, whether you're here, maybe you're watching online later, hello, um, we would love to talk to you about Jesus. I'd talk to you about Jesus all day long because we need to draw near to God through Jesus. And how many of you know he's the only path? He's the only way. That's it. It's Jesus. He's our only shot. He's our only hope. So that's fundamentally true. We draw near to God through Jesus. Number two, we draw near to God confidently. I feel like that theme of confidence has actually come up a lot lately, which is good because we need confidence, right? We need it. We need it. We need to be able to lean into something. And here it says we have the confidence to enter the holy places. It says that we can draw near with a true heart and the full assurance of faith. You're absolutely sure of it, confident in it. We can hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. That's language of confidence. So for us, once we believe in and belong to Jesus, this can be our approach. This can be our heart. We can, as it says in another place in Hebrews, we can draw near, boldly draw near to the throne of grace. That's how we can approach God. Isn't that cool? Because he loves us and he saved us and we're his children. We can just boldly approach him, confidently. Now, that doesn't mean arrogantly on the one extreme, You puff out your chest, I'm so great, I'm so righteous, I'm such a great Christian, I'm this, I'm that, God really ought to listen to me. Well, that's no way to approach God. Nor do you have to be over here on the other extreme going, oh my word, oh my word, is God gonna be mad? Am I I able to earn my way in? Uh, How can I prove myself to enter in? You don't have to to think like that. It's that middle ground, confidence. And you know what it really comes down to is being sure of who God is and being sure who, of who we are in him. That's where our confidence comes from because he's our heavenly father and we're his children. That brings us confidence. Number three, we draw near to God authentically. Authentically. Verse 22 here says, let us draw near with a true heart, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Let's talk about that last part first. When it talks about being sprinkled clean, again, I said, we are unclean in and of ourselves. We don't just waltz into the presence of the Lord clean on our own. Nor does that say we need to make ourselves clean. How many of you know that would be bad news if that's what it said? That's not saying, okay, you want to draw near to God, you bust out the lava soap and really start scrubbing. No, you and I can't make ourselves clean. We are only made clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, once we are made clean by Jesus, that's what that's talking about, our hearts sprinkled clean, that's a heart that has been saved by Jesus and has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And when we are saved, when our hearts are having this work done to them by Jesus, it's not just a surface level thing, it permeates deep. How many of you know that when you come to Jesus and Jesus starts doing something in your life, like he really changes you and he changes your heart? Some of you know, like, and I've had this too, like my heart has changed as I've gotten closer to Jesus. Probably my heart needs to do a lot more changing as I get even closer to Jesus. But the point remains, coming to Jesus changes us. Like some of you guys, that'll be your story. That's your thing. Like you came and you, you felt this way, you thought this way, you acted this way, you desired these things. And when you got into the proximity of Jesus, that started to change. 
because that's what happens. Even to the degree that right down to the heart and the soul level, he changes us. Even to the level that it says from an evil conscience, he even starts to change the way we think and our, our evil conscience, our evil thought patterns, our evil uh, tendencies, all of that stuff can be changed by Jesus. So when we're talking about drawing near to God authentically, first and foremost, it's again, the heart that's been changed by Jesus Christ. It then leads to the authentic part, a true heart. Here's what we do sometimes. In life, there's a game that we play. And I play this game, and you play this game. We all play this game. Most overwhelming majority of people do this. Here's what we do. We put on a mask. We put on a costume. We put on a good front. I guarantee you we've probably done this this week. Your life is whatever is going on in your life. Sometimes it's like not great. Things are like going south. But what do you do? Right before you get out the door in the morning, you put your mask on. I heard pray. That's the right answer, by the way. But we put our masks on. We zip up our costumes and we go out into the world and someone says, how you doing today? And you say, great. great. I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. But inside you're thinking, I'm actually a hot mess. I'm not great. I'm not doing well. But that's the game we play. And I don't know whether we just think like people will reject us if they see the mess and the true us. But that's what we do. And for the record, just for the record, I'm not suggesting you need to like go extreme the other way and spill your guts to everybody. Like every, oh, the person at the checkout at Superstore just asked how I'm doing. So, okay, let's pop open that can of worms and how much time do you have? Like, no. My point is this, that's the game we play, but that game doesn't work with the Lord because he sees right through that. He says, you're not fooling me. And sometimes we do it anyway, though. We draw near to the Lord and pretend we're this, pretend we're that, we're doing great. You know, there's no sin in our lives. We're righteous, we're awesome. And he says, I see right through that. He says, don't even come up in here like that because God already knows your heart. God already knows your thoughts. God already knows your situation. So we don't need to play this game with him. Again, if we think, oh, maybe when God, like if I told God all my deep, dark things, like he might distance himself from me. That's not the case at all. Ironically, when we draw near authentically with a true heart, that's actually when the pathway to intimacy and, and greater closeness to God actually is unlocked. So if we're keeping stuff from God and, and putting a mask on, that's not how we're supposed to draw near to him. It's a true heart. It's a full heart. It's an authentic heart. So I hope that we draw near to God that way. Not because we're so happy to be struggling, but because we're happy that he meets us in our struggles. Amen? All right, number four then, we draw near to God with others. With others. I want to read um, these couple verses up here again. Verses 24 and 5. They're very famous verses from Hebrews 10. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we're gonna see in a minute, like there are things that we're supposed to do to draw near to God on our own individually by all means, but it's not all a solo thing. It happens in the context of the group as well, the body of Christ, the family of God. And there is a, 
special kind, like what you can read from the language in here is there is a special kind of meeting with the Lord and drawing near to the Lord that only happens when we're together. True or false, can you draw near to God on your own? Yes, that was a poorly worded question, but you answered correctly. Yes, obviously we can, and it can be really awesome, really special, and I'm not ranking one above the other, but again, there's something that can happen only when we're together. That's why it's important that we fight for this time, because when we're together and we're of one heart and we're of one mind, of one body, the body of Christ, and our goal and our heart is to see Jesus lifted high, like that's when stuff starts to happen. And can I just say, I'm sidebarring a little bit, I think that we as a church have experienced that, that special God drawing near to us in worship before. Like there have been, it's always special when we can do this, but there have been times where sometimes it's just extra special. The Lord's just clearly here and he's clearly present. Like I want that for us. I want that more and more for us. Like I, I, my prayer is that the presence of the Lord would be so strong when we're meeting together and his spirit just doing a work in us. Like, do you guys wanna see that? Yeah, well, good. We're all on the same page there then, that's good. But anyway, that's why it's so important we meet together. Look, COVID has made things a mess. COVID has made gathering together in a group kind of difficult and many things about it obviously have been kind of annoying and inconvenient but we have worked really hard to be able to preserve times like this would it be easier to just not bother and wait till it all blows over sure would that be the right thing no because we need to meet together whether it's sunday morning or we're doing these thursday hangouts or an outreach maybe or even a work like we've had work nights here times to draw together it's important for us to be together it's important for us to be together and not only just to be here and to show up, but to participate as well, like to, to, to participate in the life of the church and, and what God is doing in our church. And so I'm kind of preaching to the choir a little bit because you are here and some of you are here all the time. You guys, some of you are here for everything. I'm starting to wonder if a couple of you might live around here somewhere, like in some obscure closet or basement room. And that's great. So again, I'm preaching to the choir a little bit, but let me just say this because I'm your pastor and I love you. You need to be here. We need to be here. And let me just really make it very clear. There are some, like, again, there'll be people who aren't here today watching this later, like that have shift work, for instance. I'm not suggesting you blow off your job and get fired to get to a church service. I get that, so grace there. There are some people that have serious health things and it's not safe to go out during COVID. Not really talking about that either. I'm talking about for those of us who could be here, should be here, and need to make it a priority to be here. And again, my, my goal is not to just hammer away at anybody, but it's like, again, we need to prioritize the pursuit. Look what it says, all the more, all the more. You know what that means? Yes, it's easier to stay home. Yes, COVID is annoying. Yes, it's more convenient to be home in your pajamas than out wearing a mask. I get it for sure. But we need to be together all the more as the day of the Lord draws near. We gotta make it, we gotta double down on it. We gotta be together. Would you agree? That's good. And I know, like I know our faith is not all about just going to church, coming to a service. By all means, there's so much more. There's so much more. But I guess the, the fear that I would have is if we don't make this a priority, like 
do we prioritize the rest of it? So we need to be together. And by the way, again, I love you guys. I'm not coming down on you on this. Seriously, let this be an encouragement to us, though, to be together. Sidebar, maybe this summer the restrictions will be removed. Wouldn't that be great? Okay, that's good. Let's move on then. Uh, we're going to get away from our Hebrews text. We've got a few more ways to draw near to God. Number five is this, in worship. Somebody say worship. And you guys, again, are very smart people. You know that worship is more than just coming to church and singing a song. It's about more than the warm fuzzies you get, you know, when you get to that certain part of the song or whatever. Worship is so much more than that. Worship is a deliberate act of putting God first. It's a deliberate act of magnifying and exalting the Lord. And that happens in many forms by all means, but all of them, when we're worshiping, it's an act of honoring, cherishing, regarding, valuing, exalting, glorifying God. Whether we're singing praise at church or whether you're working hard at your job or whether you are... Uh, supporting your family or teaching your kids or honoring your spouse or or you're here vacuuming the carpet i don't know almost anything can be worshiped if it's done unto the lord that's why it says in these couple of verses first corinthians 10 31 whatever you do do how much all to the glory of god like this is, this is an ongoing thing. And Romans 12, 1 tells us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. It's a life, a lifestyle. It's ongoing. It's, it's this mentality and this reality where God comes first. Who comes first in your life? Who comes first in my life? It's got to be the Lord. Because when we draw near to the Lord in worship, by default, he's not second fiddle but first priority. He's not some afterthought, but the center of our attention. And so if we want to draw near to God, let me just say it this way. You want to draw near to God? You want to see God move in your life? Let's start by worshiping. That sound good? Like, let's not live this life like we're at the center and it's all about me and my agenda and my feelings and my problems and my wants. Like, let's take on the posture of worshipers and let's see what the Lord does then, right? Number six, we draw near to God in his word, in his word. There are so many different directions you could take this one. I just wanted to simply point out again from Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active. It is living and active. That's what the word of the Lord is. And sometimes we can treat it though like it's dead and it's inactive. Sometimes we can treat the word of the Lord like it's a museum artifact, or it's something I used to read when I was a kid and my grandma would read it to me. We treat it like it's got no bearing and no effect and no relevance in our lives. That's not the word of the Lord, because it's living and active. How many of you know the word of the Lord does stuff? The word of the Lord accomplishes stuff. The word of the Lord changes stuff. We can certainly draw near to the Lord in it because there's power in it. And when we meet with the Lord in his word, he starts to do a work in us. He starts to change us and shape us and grow us and, and form us. And when we draw near to him in his word, we start to see him more clearly. We start to understand him more deeply. We start to know him more closely. And let me just say this. I don't even know what situation you're in this morning. I guarantee it would be helpful for your situation 
to draw near to God in his word. Guarantee, 100%. Draw near to God in his word and, and see the power that's there as we meet with him in it. Number seven, we draw near to God in prayer. In prayer. We've talked about this one too. Again, you guys are so smart. You're very smart. We know about prayer. It's this gift that God has given us, this, this communication opportunity, this conversation opportunity with the Lord. Think of it this way. God could have set this up any way he wanted to, and the way he's chosen to set up this life he has for us is by giving us access to him anytime, any place, anywhere, in any circumstance that we can talk to him. Like, are we thankful for that? Are we thankful for prayer that God has enabled us to be able to pray? What was that? And it says here in Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. When we draw near to the Lord in prayer, he doesn't just hear us. He doesn't ignore us. He doesn't screen our calls. Nah, you know what I mean? We all do that. He draws near to us. When I was a little kid, sometimes I would wake up in the night and I would be scared or I'd be sick or I'd be, oh, I shouldn't say this, but I'd be lamenting another Toronto Maple Leafs loss. <laughs> we'll edit that out later. Anyway, I would wake up in the night and I would call to my parents whose room was across the hall. And when I would call on them, they wouldn't, ignore me it wouldn't be met with silence maybe a grumble oh it's 3 a.m they didn't just knock on the wall and acknowledge they didn't just holler and say go back to sleep one of them would come in and draw near to me right where I was at usually in like a moment of weakness and they would come in and they would help that's what God is like the Lord is near to all who call upon him and it says to all who call upon him in truth that goes back to the authenticity, right? We're not calling on the Lord with our mask on, pretending, but we're coming to him honestly. Lord, here I am. Things are this, things are that, things are good, they're bad, they're ugly, they're, they're worse than ugly. And we just come to the Lord. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm afraid of. Here's what I need. Whatever it is. When we draw near to the Lord in truth in that way, he's near to us. Isn't that a good promise right there? We draw near to God, number eight, through fasting. Somebody say fasting. Dangerous to talk about right before lunch, but here we are. And I had an enthusiastic repeat here in the front by someone who I know does a lot of fasting. So anyway, you guys know about fasting and we've talked about it. It's voluntarily, purposefully going without something, whether it's food, entertainment, the internet. Somebody says, can I fast from work? Wouldn't recommend that. That's why you have vacation, okay? We've talked about how fasting, we've talked about it, about how it sort of drives up our hunger. It sort of drives up our intensity. It sort of drives up um, this whole transaction with the Lord. And it says in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is talking about fasting. He says, when you fast humbly, your father who is in secret will reward you, AKA he'll draw near to you. He'll, he'll meet you in that, he'll do something. And for those of you that have any experience with fasting, you'll know that it's like an accelerant. Like you can meet with the Lord without fasting, you can pray to the Lord without fasting, you can worship the Lord without fasting, but when you accompany all those things with fasting, it's almost like you throw gasoline on the fire. It's just like more intense, it drives it up. So that's something I think 
We're going to explore more this summer, by the way. As a church, we'll probably call on you guys to fast now and again. Somehow that didn't get a rousing round of applause. I'm not sure why, but anyway, that's one way we can draw near to God. And number nine, the last one on our list here, is to draw near to God in humility. In humility. And I saved this one for the end of this list because it's so, so, so very important. Because we could do all those other eight things. You could follow it right to the letter, but if you don't do it in humility, you've shot the whole thing. You've blown the whole thing. Because our posture before God is so important. If we come to God and we're, we're puffed up with pride, and, and we as humans obviously are prone to that, getting prideful. And when we approach God that way, listen, it jeopardizes the move of God. Because God opposes the proud. That verse really strikes me because it doesn't just say God is annoyed when you're proud, which no doubt he is. God actually opposes us when we're proud. You say, even me as a Christian, God would be like against me in that. Yeah, he would be if you're being prideful. God wants to not coddle us in our pride and just say, oh, don't worry about it. Like God wants to cut that out of us. And so if he's got to like bring us down a little bit, so that he can build us up the right way, like he'll do it. He'll oppose the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. And I love that promise. In other words, God will do a work in the life of the humble person, the person who's not full of themselves, but has emptied themselves. He gives grace. He moves on our behalf. So that's the key right there. Let's not be full of ourselves as a people, but we gotta empty ourselves before the Lord. Not be full. So that's our list of nine ways we can draw near to God. Here's what I want you to do now. I want you to take a deep breath and out. Okay, four of you did it. Let's try it one more time. Here we go. Deep breath in and out. Here's what we've done so far today. We're running a race. We're running a marathon. We've just run up to the top of the hill. And now we're about to tip over the side and make a mad dash for the finish. Okay? So in the few minutes we've got left, we're going to go for it. And what I want to do is I want to talk about what happens when I draw near to God. So we've talked about the fact that we need to draw near to Him. We've talked about different ways that we can draw near to Him. This is the real good part, by the way. What happens when we draw near to God? Here's the short answer. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Remember that from last week? We also read that he's able to do more than we ask or think or even imagine. So we're not gonna put the Lord in a box. The Lord can do whatever he wants when we draw near to him. But there are some really cool and encouraging examples from scripture about what happens when we draw near to God. And I wanna lead you through some of those. So here we go. You ready? Mad dash down the hill. We're coming in now. Second Chronicles 7.14, God says, if my people... We are God's people. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that's all code for draw near to him, then I will, he promises, I'm gonna do something. I will hear from heaven. How many of you want God to hear from heaven? Right? And I will forgive their sin. How many of you ongoing want to be cleansed and forgiven of sin? Ongoing. Absolutely you do. And I will heal their land. 
Now that's talking again, right? Specifically, context is about our land, but the concept is there. The principle's there. God will do a healing work, a fixing work, a restorative work. How many of you want that in your life? right? And this isn't name it and claim it. God will give you any healing you want, but this is saying, can we position ourselves to, to maybe see it? And God knows the healing. God knows the restoring. God knows the fixing that needs to happen. So we trust him in this. We don't snap our fingers and demand it of him, but that's a promise from God. When we draw near to him, he'll act, he'll move. All right. Psalm 16, 11, God, it says in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. Somebody say joy. There's not a little bit of joy. It's the fullness of joy. And let me spell that out for you. In God's presence, where God is at, there is joy. And when we draw near to him, when we get into his vicinity, what we can expect to find is joy. And joy is that happiness, but, but more, but better, but deeper. It's contentment, it's fulfillment, it's satisfaction in our lives, but more, it's deeper. It's not based on our circumstances because our circumstances do this, right? Sometimes they just do this and that's where it seems like they stay. But anyway, joy is deep. Joy is abiding. Joy isn't based on those things. So even when our lives are doing this, our joy can be constant through it all. Does that sound like something you would want? Absolutely, and the joy starts to well up in us because in his presence, there's a ton of it. When it starts to well up in us, it starts to spill out from us so that other people start to notice. Wow, like how are you so like this? Because I know what's going on in your life. It's because of the Lord. It's because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So we want that one. Is that good? You want to see, see joy in your life? We got to draw near to God. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 famous verse. It says, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We're drawing near in prayer. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when we draw near to God, we can find peace. That sounds good, right? Peace is not just the absence of conflict. It's the presence of blessing and how we need peace. This world is not a place of peace at all, but we can have it. It can be ours in Jesus Christ. And when it talks about how when that peace comes in, it guards our heart. Like our hearts are so prone to whatever it is, bitterness, or we get heartbroken, or hearts sick, our hearts get heavy, we just get weighed down. The peace of God can guard us against that. Super important. Also great is the fact that it guards our minds. The mind is a battlefield. The mind is a war zone. And you, like you hear so much of the, the mental health epidemic that's going on and there's anxiety and there's doubt and there's fear and there's lies people are believing. And, and we're prone to that kind of stuff as well. The peace of God guards our minds. And I'm not saying, you know, if that's not been your experience, oh, you must be doing something wrong. I'm saying, let us press in to know the Lord. Let us press in to draw near to God because the more we do, the more his peace is manifest in our lives. Do you want the peace of God in your life? 
We got to draw near to God. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be in fear or dread, for it is the Lord who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So when we draw near to God, we can find courage. Because again, the world, kind of a terrifying place sometimes. Sometimes even to get the strength to go out the door in the morning seems like a lot. But with the Lord, when we draw near to him, he gives us courage. It's not you look within yourself and find the courage. That's a fail. That doesn't work 98, 99, oh, 100% of the time. But it's because the Lord goes with us. That's where the courage comes from. It's external to us. And he will not leave you or forsake you. So whatever it is in your life that you need courage for, we find it by drawing near to God. You want courage in your life? This is the pathway. John 15, 5, Jesus says, Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. And he goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything of value, anything of consequence, anything of eternal consequence apart from Jesus. This one kind of resonates with me, to be honest, because in my life, well, God has given us all the opportunity to live. God has given us all resources and gifts, and he's given us, um, he, he's mapped out our days before us, Okay. And it says we've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So God has works for us to do. I don't want to get to the end of my life without having born any fruit. I don't want to just float along and exist. Like I want my life and I want your lives to count for something. I want us to be people who bear fruit for God, who bear fruit for the kingdom I don't want to get to the end of my life and find that I've left anything on the table. I haven't used the resources and the gifts that God has given me. I don't want that for you either. I want us to, to do this. So do you want to bear fruit in your life? Do you want to be productive, a productive agent for the kingdom of God? That happens when we draw near to him. When we're with him, when we abide in him, he bears much fruit in us. Colossians 2, 6 says, As you have received Christ, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established. That's talking about growth. Somebody say growth. In this walk of faith, we all start out not really fully developed, of course, in our faith. But you don't have to remain like that. You can grow in your walk. And all of us, like, we'll never arrive until the day that we see the Lord Jesus face to face, but there is growth that's possible. You don't have to remain in spiritual infancy. You can grow. You can learn. You can come to experience. You can, you can really progress in this area. And if you think, well, why do I really care about growth? I don't know. Listen, it's glorifying to God when you grow, because you'll grow to be more like Christ, it's also good for you. Let you in on a little secret. When we grow in our faith, not only do we grow in our Christ-likeness, but it also helps us to like be able to distinguish between truth and lies and right from wrong. It also, I don't know, helps us like learn to not do as many dumb things that cause us harm. So do you want to grow in your faith? What was that? Yes, we got to draw near to God. That's where it starts. And finally, Hebrews 12.1. Should have read this a couple days ago, actually. It says, let us run with endurance 
the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. When we draw near to Jesus, we find the strength to endure. Some of you guys, I know your situations. Some of you guys need endurance. Some of you guys are in seasons right now and in situations right now where you're running and running and running and working and working and grinding away and you're exhausted and it seems like you're not getting anywhere and it seems like things aren't getting any better and the tendency might be to just throw in the towel and give up. Listen to me, God has endurance for you. God has endurance for you. And I don't mean that, you know, we'll snap our fingers and your situation will magically improve. But listen, God will at the very least give you the strength to get through that situation because he's a God of endurance. So do you want endurance in your life? We got to draw near to God. That's where it starts. So in all of this, in all of this, we again want to see God move. And it starts by us drawing near to him. We can't play this game anymore of keeping God at a distance, not really regarding him. We have to prioritize the pursuit of God. We're not going to see God move if we're hanging out on the fringe. We're not going to see God move. We're not likely to see God move if we're just doing the same thing, the same routine, every day, all the time, for the rest of our lives. Nothing is going to change for you if you stay in that same rut, that same pattern, that same routine. God is calling us to break out of that and to go after him and to dive in and pursue him, to draw near to him. So what would need to change in your life to be able to prioritize the pursuit of God? What habits do you need to stop doing or start doing? What things do you need to put in place to be able to carve out space to draw near to the Lord and pursue him? And in the end, it's so worth it because when we pursue the Lord, when we draw near to the Lord, when we get ourselves into the vicinity of God, after the heart of God, into the will of God, with a hunger for God, it is then that we start to position ourselves to see him move in our midst. I'll just ask you as we close this up, do you guys want to see God move? 